Welcome back, everybody. I'm meteorologist Joe Martucci. This is our Something in the Air podcast brought to you by the Press of Atlantic City. You can catch new episodes the first and third Wednesdays of every month. And as we do the first Wednesday of every month, we have New Jersey State climatologist Dr. Dave Robinson sitting in a very wet and chilly uh, central Jersey right now. We're recording this on October 29th. You got to move down here, man. You know, we're 65, 70 degrees and raining. You guys are 50, 55. Well, I won't say that when it comes winter and we're getting snow and you're getting plain old boring rain. Mm, that, that, is, that is true. I, I, we both agree that we're snow lovers, but you are the snow uh, king with the Rutgers Global Snow Lab. But uh, yeah, it's been incredible. And we're going to talk about this past couple of days here, last week of October, the differences between down here and the northern half of the state, as I like to call Taylor Hamland, about uh, what has been happening with our temperatures. But uh, how's everything going the past couple of weeks? We're in the full swing of things for Rutgers. You also are a professor at Rutgers, of course. Um, lots of WebEx, I'm guessing, over the past couple of weeks. Zoom, WebEx, um, Microsoft Team. No advertisements because I use them all. <laughs> Equal opportunity advertising. Yeah, a lot of classes meeting online. They're going well. Um, students are doing a terrific job. Um, and then all sorts of meetings, um, giving talks um, via them, attending meetings via them. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a little bit different world. But we all know that. And I'm just yeah. grateful to be employed, uh, grateful to be talking to you and many, many others, and to have my health. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, let's get into it. And like I said, we are recording this on October 29th. Um, I will always remember October 29th for two reasons. One, uh, that we both share, the eight-year anniversary of Superstorm Sandy. It's also my dad's birthday today. Um, so that was actually fun being with him during Sandy. And uh, I might have told the story last year, but during Sandy, I had a concussion. And I was just coming off of a bicycle accident. So I was not in good shape. I was actually home, but it was, I remember celebrating my dad's birthday, just my mom, myself, and my dad. And uh, my sister was away at school at the time, and it was just insane. I remember the, the most vivid thing I'll remember is seeing green flashes in the air. And at first, I'm like, what is this? And then you realize those are transformers blowing. And we were without power for. Seven days. So, you know, I just wanted to kind of throw some stats out, you know, just so everybody know, you know, just recap. Uh, 12, unfortunately, passed away in New Jersey. There were 147 total deaths. It was actually the, low, the lowest barometric pressure to make landfall north of Hatteras if you're going to include Sandy as a hurricane, which is not, but we can talk about that another day. But 940 millibars and everywhere from AC Marina on north had the worst coastal flooding on record. That is the worst event. So, um, Dr. Robinson, just Give us your, kind of your thoughts. What, what do you remember most? Um, how you think we've come out of it in the years since? Well, I, I, I'd even uh, tweak your statistics a little bit. Um, when it came yeah. to post-storm deaths as well, it reached about 36 to 38, making it the most deadly event on record in New Jersey. I think the 12 you're referring to might have been the day of the storm, the evening of the storm. That might have been it. Okay. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. So, but you know, that's the type of thing we're dealing with. And, and I would say some people on LBI may compare this Sandy not being quite as bad as the uh, 62 Nor'easter, which was over multiple days 
But, you know, yeah. we're splitting hairs here, which is what we do. And we talk about these. Right. No, the storm, uh, clearly the storm was a transformative event for New Jersey. And we're not just talking about what it did to the beaches and to the dunes. We're talking about what it did physically to the state in terms of the built environment of the state, our infrastructure, our homes, and our psyche even. Um, I, I continually refer, refer to it as a transformative event in so many respects. And sadly, to this day, there are still people who aren't back in where they were at that time, who are still fighting to get reimbursements. And, and it, 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 it's, it's still not gone, if you will, eight years later. I only hope we have lessons learned from that storm that we will apply in the future uh, to subsequent storms. Yeah, it was, I talked to many a person who said it was the most frightened they'd ever been in their home uh, for those hours. And of course, the people who had floodwaters come in, terrifying. But even people who had trees crashing down uh, and, and they're in a darkened house, um, it, it was a, a, a tumultuous event, particularly, as you suggested, from Atlantic City Expressway, if you will, yeah. uh, north. To yeah. people south of there, they say the winds were ho-hum compared to the derecho that yeah. hit. I guess it was June 29th, 30th, mm -hmm. earlier that, that uh, year. Yeah. You, yeah, we, you know, when, when I talk to people about the derecho and Sandy, you compare them. It's interesting because the way I view it is if you're inland, right, people will tell you that the derecho was the bigger event of the two. When you get to the shore and near the shore, that's when people say Sandy was the bigger of two. It would almost be interesting to find where that delineation is, where that line is, where people think differently. But it really was, you know, either way, it was a rough year for us in 2012. And just kind of going back, zooming out the hurricane season here, it has been a bad year for us as a whole. Um, second most active on record right now uh, as the remnants of Zeta move through on the 29th. Um, we have had a record 11 storms make landfall in the continental United States. Even five have made landfall in Louisiana. We, of course, had Faye and Isaias. And, you know, uh, let me ask you, you know, just kind of a gut feel. You know, how active do you think this hurricane season has been for us in New Jersey? You know, qu quite active, quite active. We've had um, the, the uh, power outages from Isaias were the largest statewide since Sandy. Um, we had some really welcome rains from Fay, yeah. uh, the second week of July that kept Jersey out of drought status this summer and fall, unlike New England and even as close as central Pennsylvania. Um, so there was a, a bright side to the rains we got, but we've had rains associated from eight different systems, whether they were active or decaying as they impacted the state. Uh, it's a tremendous number. Um, the one thing we didn't have quite as much, but we saw it with Teddy and others, was the coastal situation where the storms went up through the Atlantic and just through um, surf and, and sometimes erosive surf, if you will, uh, on the beaches. But we did feel some of those storms as well. So I think yeah. it all comes to be said and done. A, a very active season here. Some 
good rainfall in some respects, some damaging winds with others, and a bit of a hit on our coastal areas from the number of storms that were nearby or out at sea. So, yeah, not Louisiana, thank goodness. Um, it, you know, every time this year I see a storm in Louisiana, I'm like, geez, you know, I mean, like, we always talk about storms here, but it's for the most part, it's talk, you know, of hurricanes and tropical storms. Down there, I mean, that's a reality, and to have five, I mean, that's even a lot for them. So, you know, I just think about the emergency managers down there. I mean, I think about everybody, but the emergency managers specifically, because, you know, I, I did a story earlier in October about what would have to happen if we needed to evacuate for a hurricane this year during COVID, you know, because you have shelters that, you know, can't hold the same amount of people. I'll give you just a fact from the story real quick. You know, Atlanta County has about 7,000 capacity for their shelters. Now with COVID, with social distancing, it's down to 2,700. They had 2,700 in Sandy. So you're getting real close to that upper limit. Um, and I actually spoke with a guy named Scott DeFiore, who's a Bergen County native, just like yourself, right? Bergen County native, Dr. Robinson? Yep. That's right. Who, um, oh, excuse me. Look at this. One for the blooper reel. I hit my own headphones out, but uh, <laughs> I was getting too into it. But um, he's down in Galveston County, Texas, and um, he said, you know, it's been incredible. They've had to evacuate twice and just, you know, the process that they've had to move people from Galveston County, Texas, where they don't evacuate in the county at all. They move out, but they move them out to Austin, how to get people up safely on buses, PPE, screening, Um it sounds yeah. like it's a lot, and hopefully we don't have to go through that uh, over the next couple of weeks here as we round out hurricane season. Well, the one thing we dodged, you mentioned the 2700 with Sandy. Remember, that was late October. What yeah. if it had come during the tourist season? Yeah. You would have been <laughs> overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. right? That 2700 yeah. would have been a drop in the bucket. Yeah. Yeah. Great point. Great point. Let's, uh, let's talk about what's going on now let's talk about you know temperatures precipitation we'll start like we usually do with temperatures here um the first part of the month we actually were pretty below average we had at least atlantic city international airport six of the first nine days were below average so it's kind of like okay you know october feeling like fall you know a little bit and then we got warm and pretty much stayed warm down here for the rest of the month. Uh, that will change at the end of this month for Halloween. But um, I have a number here. Only four days will be more than a degree below average between the 10th to 31st if you take into account the daily average temperature. So, you know, where were we in South Jersey? I know there's a little bit of a difference compared to the northern half of the state. There, there is. Uh, the cold air has visited the north, and there has been some frost inland in yeah. South Jersey a couple of Saturdays ago, uh, and a few places touched the freezing point to end their growing season. Yeah. Uh, but so far in our 65-station weather network around the state, 16 of the stations have gotten to or below freezing, as low as 26 degrees up in the northwest. But yeah, we have not had a statewide freeze or even close to that. Uh, the coastal areas, who knows when they'll get yeah. down below, below <laughs> freezing. Um, but this month as a whole, we're, we're so darn used to it. We've had so many warm months. Yeah. Back in the top 10, whether it's a top 10 of a 50-year, 60-year record like Atlantic City Airport or a 100-plus year record like the marina, both of them right now, the marina and the airport, are running sixth or seventh warmest October on record. Mm -hmm. And you go, really? 
I mean, it, it's yeah. just so common these days uh, how they're running warm. And even the cold of the 31st isn't going to pull them out of the top 10. Now, it's New Jersey as a whole is running eighth, but it may be cool enough to knock us out of the top 10. But statewide, it has been warm. But particularly in the last week or so, when we've had the morning fog and the low clouds, yeah. they cleared out in the south faster than they've cleared out in the north. So the days have ended up being 10 degrees warmer. Yeah. South and north instead of the normal, say, five degrees warmer. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been incredible the past couple of weeks, especially the week of the nineteenth. You know, it, it was almost like San Francisco weather. You get the fog during the morning; it burns off for the afternoon. You get the sun. A uh, little taste of California here in uh, South Jersey, but uh, I, I was telling you this story before. But you know, my, my parents actually came down on October twenty second. Now they're up in uh, Union County, and uh, they were amazed. They were like, "It's so warm and." sunny here it was like it was 55 and cloudy over there so we've, we've gotten lucky down here in uh south jersey and and just a touch on the uh on the frost we did have widespread frost on the 18th on the mainland and really places west of the parkway yeah looks like we're gonna have our first freeze for the inland spots on halloween for us here in south jersey um you know are we pretty much on target with this you know is this typically when we're going to see our first freezes in the southern part of the state and you know, how's our uh, end of growing season looking across the state? Yeah, it's pretty close to the mark. Um, the 18th up in central New Jersey and some inland areas, um, it, it's about right. And, and along the coast, right along the coast, you don't expect it until the first, sometimes second week of November. No. Uh, so we'll wait and see if they happen to sneak below freezing for a couple of hours this weekend. Yeah. But inland South Jersey, yeah, not too unusual to be till the last couple of days of October uh, to have the first freeze. So yeah, so not all that out of the ordinary, but again, uh, the, the extraordinary differences between the length of the growing season, um, the growing season. I think we may have talked about this last month. It, it, there was a freeze up in a Valley in Northwest Jersey on June 1st. And then they had one on September 18th. Yeah like a hundred eight nine day growing season meanwhile langsig marina had its last freeze in the spring on march 1st and still hasn't seen a freeze so it's like 240 days yeah and counting oh yeah we're gonna be counting i mean you know i think just by looking at the forecast again we're doing this on october 29th i don't see any below freezing temperatures at the shore for the next seven days and probably it's tough you know in this time of year, you know, in November, I feel like you need a strong wind to actually blow or advect, as we call, advect that air in. You're not just going to cool down, for lack of a better word, naturally overnight like that below freezing. Water's too warm. No, you're not. And the water's warm because we had a top 10 warmth for October. We've had a second warmest summer on record. And the water has a high heat capacity. We won't get into the physics. <laughs> yeah, that, that's for the bonus episode. Yeah, yeah, right. That's the one to really put people to sleep, Joe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it cools off slower. Just as in the spring, you have to be patient. It warms up. Now, you may say, hold it. In the spring, you have to be patient. You just said March 1st was the last freeze. Yeah, that was the last time you were able to get that cold air right to the coast. But it doesn't mean that the coast just stayed at a moderately cool level for a long period of time waiting for the milder air to come in. Right. 
or the waters to warm up. Right. Gotcha. Yep. Great point. All right. So we're going to take a break. We'll be back in a little bit. When we come back, we're talking about precipitation, foliage, maybe a little bit of winter. We'll be back with you in a little bit. This is Something in the Air podcast. back this is the something in the air podcast brought to you by the press of atlantic city first wednesday of the month we are recapping the month that was that is when our new episodes come out first wednesday of the month third wednesday of the month big fans of wednesday here in the podcast uh, but i want to talk about a saturday actually and i'd be remiss to say that uh october 29th not only was it sandy my dad's birthday but october 29 2011 was the worst sporting event i've been to in my life when it comes to the weather because that was Rutgers football. They had they were playing West Virginia that day. Um, Eric Legrand, um, for those of you who don't know, he's a um, football player for Rutgers who unfortunately became paralyzed and has been a really great part of the Rutgers community since. But he came out onto the field that day as kind of his um, I'm back, you know, kind of story. And that was, um, well, it was raining in the morning. Then it's flipped to snow. Then it went back to rain, back to snow, back to rain. Then eventually it snowed, and it was a sloppy, wet snow. I think it was 34 degrees. Not good when you're wearing um, socks and a hooded sweatshirt, and it just kind of all soaks in, you know? Typical. I know you weren't there for that. Typical. that? Typical undergrad. Yes, yes, actually, yes. Very typical undergrad, and I'm not going to give up his name, but there was a friend of mine who went body painting that day against the advice of his, well, I shouldn't say advice, against the telling of his own family who was at the game that you can't do it. He um, he has quite the story, but I don't know if that's a um, uh, Press of Atlantic City podcast-worthy story for this. Uh, and good. that wasn't even the biggest event of 2011 because just the end of August, we had had Irene. yes. Hit. So, yeah. and, and in March of that year, there was a flood that would have been the flood of record for the year, <laughs> but people forget because of Irene later in the year. So what a run of crazy weather. Hey, and can I add one more too? This is uh, in July of 2011, we had the hottest recorded temperature in Newark. It was 108. If you remember that, it was 105 the next day. And actually, down here at Lancaster International Airport, we were also in the low. We were in the low 100s. We didn't get up to 108, but that was you know record heat across the state as well, all time record heat. Yeah, yeah. I flew into Newark that night from the state climatologist meeting down in Asheville, North Carolina, and I think my car thermometer at like 9:30 in the evening when I'm on the turnpike heading south was still reading like 100 degrees. <laughs> it, it was. It was crazy. Crazy, crazy, crazy year. Yeah. You know, so we have six or eight storms affect us this year of tropical origin. That's a, that's a whole hummer. Yeah, that's nothing for us. You know, Jer- Jersey always got some going on. Um, you know, let's talk quickly about precipitation for the month. Um, obviously, you know, being that it is October 29th, we're not going to get the numbers in from what has been a deluge here in South Jersey on the 29th, even for the 30th. But you know, just what can you tell us about the month so far? I mean, I do believe we're going to be above average, of course. And we were, we were above average anyway, at least at Atlantic City International Airport up until this day. 
Yeah, well, I thanks to the New Jersey Weather Network that we operate, I have numbers through late afternoon on oh. the 29th today. Up, as up to the, the minute. As the storm is departing. And, and for the month, we've got as much as, uh, these aren't final numbers completely, 5.37 inches of rain at Atlantic City Marina and up at Harvey Cedars. Inland, Mullica's at 4.23, Egg Harbor Township 4.12, down in Cape May Courthouse 4.58. So you figure four to five and a half inches, and that's well above normal. Normal is about three and a quarter to three and a half for the month of October. Pretty dry month down along South Jersey. Yeah. Um, South Jersey, coastal South Jersey, all the way up to North Jersey, northern coastal Jersey, is the wettest spot of the state for the month. It was before um, the remnants uh, of Zeta came in, and that's just going to add to it. Um, elsewhere, you get over into Gloucester County, Salem County, much drier. Um, this month uh, and up in the northwestern part of the state. So the bountiful rains this month were right right hugging the coast. Um, but today's rains yeah. added an inch to two inches to a lot of the state. Yeah, and you know, one event that I'm thinking of was October, I believe, 12th, where we did actually see like one and a half, two inches of rain around the parkway east. But you go over to Vineland, they had, I'm looking now, 0.44 over there so we did have a couple of systems to your point that really just kind of got the coast and that was it um but you know going back to october you know being one of the drier parts of the state here you know actually the last podcast we did we were with uh cape may county freeholder and seattle city mayor lenny desiderio and he said you know it's it's been you know on usually september and october because it's drier here even compared to other parts of the state it's great for tourism you know there's a lot of fall promotion down here getting down to cape may sea isle you know anywhere you know everybody everywhere in cape may county because the weather is climatologically more favorable um from what i've what i've done research on you know you'll look down in lower cape may county towards cape may it's a half inch less wet than uh vineland and even atlantic city or national airport and less than an or more than an inch drier than new york city um during the months of september and october so it does actually help with tourism here. So, you know, we'll take it. We'll take it down here. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's that tweener time of the year. If, if you don't have a late season tropical storm, you don't get moisture from that. It's a little early for your nor'easters, yep. so you don't get that. And the summer thunderstorm season is starting to lose its grip as the days get shorter and cooler. Mm -hmm. So all those three things that produce our precipitation are – oftentimes kind of quiet during the month and that leads to lower totals of course that that can differ all you need is one storm to come in and and, and change things yeah but overall that kind of explains why this transitional period sometimes can be pretty dry yeah and um it's actually been you know just given the month even though it's been wet foliage has been great this month, at least what we've been seeing down here. I mean, we are, you know, usually we peak just around the turn of the month and we're pretty much seeing that here. Lots of vibrant colors. I remember last month we were talking, you know, we said you were saying we're on good pace. Um, what have we kind of seen throughout the state? What have you been seeing up north? Uh, from from all more of what I've heard than what I've seen, um, it's been a good season. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it's been quite a good season because we had those cool nights in, in late, mid to late September. 
Um, we didn't have drought conditions to really dry out the leaves and turn them brown and off. Um, so the weather did cooperate in late September and early October uh, and with the cool nights and such uh, that really helped to turn the foliage over and with the abundance of moisture, terrific. Now, a storm like today comes along with heavy rain, modest wind. Um, it kind of takes the sails out of some of yeah. it. knocks a lot of the leaves off the trees. But down along South Jersey, down along the coast, you still got color. You still got leaves on the trees, and they're going to be there for a little while. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think uh, I'm looking forward to it. I know a lot of people have been getting out, checking out the scenery. And, you know, listen, in these COVID times, people obviously staying close to home. Not a bad day trip to go to Batstow. Maybe you go to Barnegat Light. Even if you take a trip up to High Point, you know, you can do that in a day from South Jersey. It's a long day, but you can do it. Um, you know, it's worth it to get out and see the colors. Yeah, I mean, don't travel north too much anymore. It's well, kind of, yes, yes. Kind of yeah. too late. Go to a Belle Plaine State Forest. Yeah. To the yeah. south. Yeah. Um, there, there's color. There's color in the Pinelands, and it's beautiful in the Pinelands with the, the green and, and the, the, some of the other tree, the, the deciduous trees turning, uh, turning colors and dropping their leaves. So Yeah. There's and, plenty of opportunities. It's going to be a little chilly, yeah. uh, but that's okay. That, that's okay. And speaking of chilly, we got about two minutes left. I want to talk about winter. You're a big snow guy. In fact, you are, like I said, the snow king. You run the Rutgers Global Snow Lab. So, you know, just uh, tell everybody kind of where our snowfall has been so far. And you might, and people listening might be, why do we care where it's snowing in other parts of the globe? It can matter for what happens here during the winter. So where are we, lo where are we looking at snowfall across the globe? And any thoughts on winter as we get into these uh, cooler and hopefully snowier months? Yeah, a, a, a two-part answer. Globally, this is going to be a, we look at snow cover, the, the, pers the coverage of snow on the ground, not necessarily the measuring the snow from a snowfall event. And snow cover extent over North America and Eurasia is well above normal right now. In fact, I think in North America or in U.S. specifically, it may be a record. Um, there's been a lot of snow out in the West the grounds remain covered because we had a period of cold weather where a dip in the jet stream brought the coldest weather compared to normal on the planet oh. to the Western U.S. just mm -hmm. past week. Um, and even Siberia, it's gone above average. So that's number one. Um, sometimes that some theory and some studies suggest that bodes well for the Northeast for winter snow. But, and here's your but. Here's the but. There's a La Nina event really rearing up in the tropical Pacific. And La Ninas are not kind to New Jersey snow lovers. No. Um, the storm track tends to go through the Great Lakes. It brings warm air up in front of those storms. We don't have a lot of coastal storms, which is good news if you're for coastal um, processes and erosion and, yeah. or the lack thereof this winter. That doesn't mean we'll go without a major coastal storm. But the odds favor uh, generally a milder, less snowy winter when you've got a La Nina. And that's what we're going to have this winter. So it, it, I can't give out a lot of hope. Some years, you know, Joe, I don't say anything because it's kind of like all bets are off. Yeah. You don't see a strong signal. We're seeing a pretty strong signal. And yeah doesn't bode well for um, uh, those who love cold, snowy winters in New Jersey. 
Yeah, yeah, we're going to put out a winter forecast the second week of November, kind of an outlook. Um, not looking great. I will say probably going to be tough to be as low as this past winter, which was record. It was a record low. Yeah, that, that's a record. But, uh, you know, I will say it only takes one snowstorm to get you to average, so it can happen. But we'll wrap it up on that note. Maybe when we're here in the beginning of December, we can uh, really get a better grip for we'll how things are have a little better, going. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. Um, so I want to thank everybody for listening here. This is our Something in the Air podcast. I'm here along with New Jersey State climatologist Dr. Dave Robinson. You can go to njweather.org for the latest weather conditions across the area. Of course, you can come to pressofac.com slash weather for the latest forecast. We'll be back with you in a couple of weeks. Until then, stay safe, stay healthy, and we'll talk to you then.